the wonders of technology on the video link by all of our other sites. So again, it's so dangerous to make a list, but I'm going to try. So uh, we're going to start in the deep south uh, with Mearns, then Stony, then Aberdeen North, Aberdeen West, Bridge of Don, Ellen, Inverurie, Cafe Church, Lifestyle Tomorrow Night. That might be it. If I've missed you out, I'm so sorry. But you, let's just give him a massive cheer and a welcome. Hi, guys. It's great to see you. Um, I don't know whether you've had a thought that kind of hits you between the eyes and suddenly you think, oh my goodness, I've never had that thought before, but now I've thought it, something has just changed for me. I had a thought like that this week, which was this. Imagine if you're uh, a young graduate and you, you've kind of spent a couple of years just figuring out what you want to do with your life and you have maybe done a bit of traveling. Age 25, you're in your 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 career right and 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 then let's just say for the sake of argument you work from the age of 25 all the way up to the age of 65 now i know that we're many of us going to be working till we're 120 but let's just say for 25 to 65 40 years the average salary in scotland is about 31000 pounds but let's just say conservatively it's 25,000 pounds. So in other words, for 40 years, on average, you're going to earn 25,000 pounds a year. Guess what, folks? It's a million pounds. God, during the course of your lifetime, is going to put through your hands a million pounds. It's already a massive, like, I, I don't know whether you can think about it, but I, for me, that has huge implications for my life. Like, I, obviously, I want to spend some money on my uh, uh, providing shelter for myself. I want to spend some money on uh, feeding myself and my family. But also, I'm going to want to give some of that to the work of God, to the building of God's kingdom. And, and so there's a stewardship issue in my life already. But he, actually, that isn't the thought that I had. That was part of the thought that I had. The second part of it is this. There are well over a thousand people in our church. And so let's just say conservatively, just for the sake of numbers, a nice round number, a thousand people in our church, each God placing into their hands a million pounds. What that actually means is that God is trusting us as a church family, whether you're here or in one of our other sites, God is trusting us with a billion pounds. Like, as a pastor, suddenly I'm feeling the weight of that. I don't, know, I, I don't know whether you're feeling the weight of that, but as a pastor, I'm thinking one day, Hebrews chapter 10 says that I'll give an account for how I shepherded my people. So one day I'm going to have to stand up in front of, my pe of God and say, listen, I shepherded my people. God, you, you, you trusted us. You assigned us with the responsibility for stewarding a billion pounds. That's a huge, enormous amount of money. And here's what we did with it for the sake of the kingdom of God. We are, uh, as a leadership team, Believing that this is a very, very significant moment in the life of our church. It's one of those punctuation mark moments where actually there's an invitation from the heart of God for us to grow in our stewardship, to, to grow in our understanding of what it means to look after God's money and use it wisely. And uh, actually that series, we're doing a series called Steps, which is about uh, taking steps towards growing in generosity and stewardship uh, based on a whole bunch of other churches' 
material and some of my own jokes. Um, uh, especially, I just want to footnote John Wright at Trent Vineyard in case he watches this because he might find some of this talk familiar. But uh, listen, we just really want to as a church, like it's, it's like the perfect collision of three things. Uh, the first thing is we've been on this journey about um, trying to understand the cost of following Jesus. And the, the second thing is we're on another journey looking at the story of the Exodus. And we're trying to understand uh, what it means to experience God's power and his glory and his presence. And if we'd have followed either of those two tracks, we would have come across this whole concept of stewardship. But actually, when we were planning the series back in November, we had no idea that this moment would be the moment where actually there's an opportunity and, and like to some degree, I'll call it a crisis. You know, the Chinese symbol for uh, opportunity is also crisis or something like that. Like we have a moment here uh, that, that we didn't know was coming, but, but now we have it. And so I'm just going to explain a bit more about that at the end. So we're going to open up our Bibles. We're going to be reading. Last week we were in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And so this week we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And... Um, just in case you missed last week and you haven't yet caught up on online, which I'd love you to do, uh, th this is written by the Apostle Paul. He's writing, he's actually collecting money from every church that he's in relationship with to uh, put together an offering that he'll then take to the church in Jerusalem who is starving. And uh, really in this passage that we're about to read, he's, he's answering the question, why would anyone give anything to anyone? Why would anyone give anything to anyone? And let's read, well, let's, I'll read, you can listen, but uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 says this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. As it's written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And that's our passage for today. So the question that Paul is wanting to address is this. Why would anyone give anything to anyone? And his answer to that question is this. Because God blesses generosity. He loves to bless generosity. I heard someone say recently that the story you live in is the story you live out. In other words, whatever you believe about your circumstances and what's going on in your life will affect the decisions that you make. And when it comes to money, lots of people uh, live in a story of fear. Like, I've got a certain amount of money and I'm spending it and I'm giving it away. And essentially, I started with an amount and it's just getting smaller and smaller and one day it's going to run out. I won't have enough and so my story is a story of fear and that story shapes the decisions that I make. 
But Paul wants to challenge that story. In fact, he wants the Corinthians to live in an entirely different story and therefore to live out an entirely different story. And it's a story about blessing. Having just said in verse 7 that each person should give what they've decided in their heart to give. He goes on in verse 8 to explain essentially what the result is of giving all that money away. He says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. And just in case you're counting, that's three alls and an every, which is pretty conclusive. So why would anyone give? Like, why would anyone let go of something that they think they might need? And the answer is because a generous life is a life that knows and experiences the blessing of God. And that's the story that Paul wants them to inhabit. He wants them to live in a story that says, God is, as you give, God is able to bless you. He's able to provide for you. You don't need to be afraid. You can make decisions based on God's goodness and his decision to bless you. Um, and in fact, he goes on in verse 11 to say, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Now, in case you like, I can see some people potentially thinking, is this like a prosperity gospel thing? Like, is this, a, a, you know, you're going to take some verses out of context and are you then going to tell us that it's all about blessing, blessing, blessing? Well, listen, the truth is, it's the story of the whole Bible. The whole Bible says that God will bless people who give. So, for example, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25 says this, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And then in Deuteronomy 15 verse 10, it's, uh, it's talking about the, the, uh, the year of Jubilee and giving in that context. It says this, give generously and do so without a grudging heart. Then, because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. So really to try and illustrate this, this uh, principle that God will bless people who are generous, uh, he uses to illustrate a, a dilemma that was faced by most people who lived at that time. Remembering that most people who lived at that time were living off the land. And the dilemma is this, how much do you sow and how much do you store? In other words, um, how much do you keep back of all of the seed that you have once you've harvested your crop, how much do you keep back and just uh, live on from the day to day? And then how much do you think, no, 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 I I'm going to sow that in the ground because I understand that whatever I sow in the ground is going to reap next year's harvest, right? So, so uh, obviously, uh, at the one time, I've got to eat today. But at the same time as that, I've just got to be aware that whatever my harvest will be, will be in direct proportion to however much I sow. Um, really, what he seems to be saying is, is very, very similar to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus said, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So, in other words, you get to decide what the measure is. Like, you've got to make a decision on how much you store and how much you sow and you've got to decide you're like you've got all this great and so for example I could use this measure here just a small cup but I've got loads and loads of seed that I'm going to live on and make bread for today and tomorrow and probably waste a little bit of it but never mind uh, here's this little thing and so I'm going to say well to be honest I'm in church today and uh, I you know like if I happen to be in church 
and I happen to have money in my pocket on a particular day, then I'll give that. Uh, and um, then, like, I, you know, maybe I'm out shopping and I'm thinking, I should give something to Storehouse. I'm so sorry, the front row. You, you've, um, you're going to be taking these things out of your shoes forever. Uh, you know, like, so, so you're in the supermarket and you think, well, I should buy some baked beans for Storehouse or some tin meat or something like that. Where's the Asda Smart Price section? You know, I'll give that. And so uh, maybe I'll, I'll do that. And then the worst thing happens. You're in work one day and there's a sign-up sheet that goes around. It turns out one of your colleagues is doing a sponsored run. And you think, oh, no. And so you look down it and you think, well, I don't want to be, come across as, like, really mean. You know, that would be terrible, wouldn't it, if I came across. So I'm just going to look what the lowest number is. And then I'm just going to go slightly above that and I'm going to give that. And uh, uh, maybe then someone comes knocking at the door and you give them a couple of quid. And so you give that. And then, to be honest, like, that's pretty much it gone. So the great news is that God intends to bless my life. With the measure I use, it will be measured to me. And so, uh, you know, a good measure, pressed down, running over, will be poured into my lap. Uh, okay, so I may be sowed sparingly, but therefore I'll reap sparingly. So I could use that measure. Or I could use this one. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking, do you know what, I'm not just going to give just whatever happens to me in my pocket on a particular day when I happen to be in church, I'm going to set up a standing order, maybe for like 10%, and I'm just going to like give it away. Uh, and you know, like some people say like, oh, should I give um, net or gross? You know, like, is it before or after tax? Well, hey, why not make it gross? You know, this is fun, isn't it? And then uh, say I'm, at I'm thinking I should get something for storehouse. Instead of buying like as the smart price, what about if I bought the most expensive tin of beans that I could find in the shop and I gave that? Wouldn't that be awesome? And then maybe I'll go out for dinner and uh, whilst I'm out at dinner with, with some friends, I'm going to offer to pay the bill because I want to be a generous person. With the measure I use, it will be measured to me. And so I'm going to go for that. And then uh, just in conversation with the waitress, it turns out that the waitress is uh, really worried about money. And uh, she's got a particular bill coming up and she's really nervous about it. And so I give her a tip that is like many, many more times what she might have expected because I want to live a generous life. And then we're taking like an offering for uh, church planting or something like that. And I think, oh, to be honest, I don't know if I'll ever go anywhere to plant a church, but how brilliant that they would do that. I'm going to give generously and sacrificially to that. And then there's an offering for like, there's been a hurricane in Haiti or something like that. Hang on, you guys haven't had any of this yet. And so I'm just going to sow some over here. And uh, I'm just going to keep sowing and sowing and sowing and sowing. Wherever I see that there's an opportunity that I could give generously, do you know what? I'm just going to give it. So the question is, which measure am I going to use? With the measure I use, it will be measured to me. With the measure I use, it will be measured to me. Just for the sake of clarity, uh, last week I talked about uh, a couple who literally emptied their savings account into an offering. It's coming out of everywhere. Uh, and um, as, as they did that, amazingly, sometime later, they received a check for 10 times the amount that they gave. And, and like, as I've been teaching on... Like just last week and this week, I've, I've, I've heard loads of stories like that. You know, like I was speaking to a member of our staff this week 
And she said, on, in January, her and her husband decided to increase their giving to the church. And as they did that, they were really worried that actually they might not be able to afford it, but they did it in faith. As they, in, as they did that, uh, actually a whole bunch of other bills came in, a couple of things broke, and they were like, oh, can't believe we did that. But nevertheless, uh, one day they went out, they were out for 20 minutes, and when they came back, there was an envelope with cash in it for exactly the amount that they'd increased their giving by. So there are stories like that, but we don't uh, need to, to live in that kind of prosperity mindset that says this is an exact formula. You know, I give this much, I get that much back. No, no, no. All we're saying is this. Sometimes, as I give, I'm just going to live on less, right? Some, I, I'm just going to have a, not quite such a new car, or uh, I'm maybe not going to go to Nando's as many times as I did before. That's okay. But we do believe that God is able to provide for our needs and he can bless us in a million different ways, both in this life and the next. God blesses generosity. I have no idea where I am on my notes. Okay. So assuming that we all want to sow generously, uh, I, I just want to get really practical because I'm just aware that Actually, there are loads of people in our church who are new to church. Uh, they're, they're new to this whole thing. And so our site pastors have been fielding loads of questions like, uh, I'm finding this really inspiring. I'm finding it helpful. But I've literally no idea what it is that, you know, in terms of amount that I should be giving, what would be seen as generous by God. Uh, and so they really want some help. And so I'm trying to, um, uh, uh, I just want to be as practical as possible. So what is generosity? What does generous giving look like? Well, the first thing is generous giving is deliberate and intentional. Just notice what the Apostle Paul doesn't ask the Corinthians to do. He doesn't say each person should give whatever is in their wallet today. Neither does he say each person should give five pounds or 500 pounds or uh, anything more specific than that. Instead, in verse 7, he just says this. Each person should give what they've decided in their heart to give. In other words, uh, generous giving comes as a result of a decision that we make. Of being intentional in the way that we budget our money. And uh, it, it comes as a result of thought and planning. And, and the truth is that the most generous people in this church will be people who have thought carefully about what they would give. Not only to our church, but to all kinds of other things as well. Um, let me just illustrate with another prop. Okay, this could all go wrong, but we'll give it a try. This, this uh, what would you call it, glass jar, vase here, represents all the, uh, uh, my, my monthly budget. And so in there is like some of these big rocks are like my rent or my mortgage or my council tax or... Um, uh, my, food, my food budget, well done, Taryn, yeah, things like that. And then also, like, you know, there's like when I want to go to Starbucks or, uh, you know, Cheeky Nando's or whatever it is. And, and so what you can see is, uh, or you might not be able to quite see it, but pretty much I'm spending all of my money every month, right? There's nothing left. And, uh, in fact, it's slightly poking above the top. So every month I'm slightly struggling, and so you might say to me, well, Chuck, this rock, which represents my giving, like, I would love to be able to give that. I would love to be able to give some money to the church or to other things. 
But the truth is, it doesn't fit. Like, it's like, Chuck, this is not going to work. I can't get this in. It's just, you know, if I give, then I'm just going to not have enough money. But the truth is that the people who give in a way where they look back and they say, do you know what, I'm so glad that I did that. They don't do their money like that. In fact, what they do is exactly the other way around. What you do is you put the big rocks in first. And so uh, uh, you will find, and again, this is so awkward because as, you know, modern Western British Christians, we don't like talking about money. But if you were to speak to anyone in this church and you were to find somebody who was giving, you know, a really extravagantly generous amount, you would find that that's the one that they put in first. Uh, And you would find that probably their, their money maybe comes in on the 25th of the month and on the 26th their giving goes out. That's pretty much the deal. So we put that one in first. And then we put in some of these other ones, like I'm going to put my uh, rent in, and my council tax, and my uh, car payments, and uh, uh, food, and electricity, and then I'm going to put in everything else. I was imagining this would be much quicker. Anyway, isn't it amazing? You think, I could never give that much. Turns out, you can. Turns out that if you make a deliberate, like, if you're not deliberate and intentional in the way that you give, you'll never be able to give very much. But if you make a decision and you live out of that decision, then actually, yeah, you, you might not have the newest car and you might not go to Nando's as often. But you know what? It is absolutely amazing how God provides for people who give. That's what, that's what actually it's saying in this passage. Uh, verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Uh, the next thing is generous giving is a way of life. What's absolutely clear is that Paul isn't just expecting them to give on this one kind of grand gesture and then to hold on to the rest of their money for the rest of their lives. In fact, the opposite is true. He's expecting them to give often. And you can see that again in that verse 11. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. In other words, his expectation is that they'll give and then they'll get some more and they'll give and they'll get some more and they'll give and they'll get some more and they'll give and they'll get some more and that'll be the rhythm of their lives. Like a, a, there's a kind of a, a regular committed discipline that will be played out through the course of their lives. When Taryn and I were engaged, we, I was at Bible College near London. And one of the things that we were really worried about was how actually we, where are we going to live once we're married? Because I was living in the halls of residence before that. And when we looked around, we were thinking, how, like, we, we can't afford the rent on anywhere near London, you know, like, what, what are we actually going to do? And then Taryn saw in the paper an advert for a tiny little flat in Watford. And uh, it turns out, thank you, Lord, that if she, like, she was the only one earning money, but we could get a mortgage on her salary. And if we got the biggest mortgage we could get with her salary, then we could buy this flat to the penny. 
And so that's what we did. And that became our first little home together. And it was just perfect for us. But, you know, like, I just felt, I hope this is okay to say. I'm really trying to be a good pastor, I promise you. But, I, like, this week it just occurred to me that like, we've been part of this church for 15 years. And, uh, you know, month after month we've given uh, to the ministry of this church. And what I realized this week was that over the course of those 15 years, we could have bought two of those flats in cash for the money that we bought that flat for. So, uh, no, for the money that we've given to the church. But, like, how is that possible? Like, I can't wrap my head around it. I was thinking, how have I given away two flats and not really noticed? And the answer is because, actually, when you give in a regular committed, month after month after month, year after year after year, it just kind of adds up. Generous giving is a way of life. My point is, which I think is the same as the Apostle Paul's point, if I want to give generously and in a way that makes a significant difference, it's a long-term way of life that gets me there. The uh, last thing is this. Generous giving is beyond a tithe. So, first of all, let me say, I've heard from our site pastors and others, a number of people have said, oh, well, some people give money. I've still got bits of... Uh, some people give money. I give my time. To which I say, that's really brilliant that you give your time. That's really great. And, and lots of other people do as well, which is fantastic. Uh, but the Apostle Paul wouldn't know what to do with that. Like, he, he can't kind of scoop up your time and take it to the uh, people who are starving in uh, Jerusalem. Like, that's not an option. And, and neither can we take your time and use it to feed our gas meter, right? It's just, just not going to work. What Paul's talking about here is money. He's, giving a, he's talking about giving a particular amount uh, to the ministry of the church. And um, so the question then comes, which is like, uh, well, how much should I give? How do I decide how much is a generous amount? Well, here's how I'd want to answer that. In the Old Testament, God's people had a law that told them how much to give. And it was a tenth, a tithe. They were to set aside, a, uh, the word tithe means tenth. They were to set aside a tenth and they were to uh, uh, just save that all up and then give that to the work of God. Uh, and, and that was in, the, in Moses' law, that was what they were to all do. Now, the question is, well, we're Christians. We're in the New Testament. Do, like, are we legally, biblically, legally obliged to give 10% of our income, to set aside 10%? To which I would say, no, you're not legally obliged. You're not under the law. You're under grace. There is, you know, the law doesn't apply to you anymore. You're a Christian. However, I just find it absolutely inconceivable that a Jew in the early church who's just become a Christian would say, do you know what, this is brilliant, this is so good. I've just become a Christian, and that means that that law doesn't apply to me anymore, so therefore I get to keep that 10% and spend it all on me. Like, I get to be even more selfish than I was before. I find that inconceivable. No, 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 what they would say is, do you know what, I've been, not only have I been forgiven, but I've been filled with the Spirit of God. I've been ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. I've, I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm, I'm not going to spend any of that. I'm not going to take that back. Why would I do that? I'm gonna, I've been showered with grace. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to see that as like a jumping off point. 
I'm going to give that first, and then I'm going to figure out how much more I could give. Let me just say it like this. Like, with our own children, me and Taryn, what do we say to our own children? What, what we say is, well, listen, what you do is, you see how much is coming in. And you add it all up, and then you move the decimal point one place to the left. And you start with that. And then you jump off from there and you see how much more you could give. So I just want to, like, I'm trying to be as practical as possible because we've heard lots of uh, questions about this stuff. So let's just get the next slide up, could we, Audrey? Thank you. So um, what these numbers are is uh, the minimum wage. So in Scotland right now, until April, you, uh, if you earn the minimum wage, £8.21 an hour, that adds up to £16,009 in a year. And then at the end of the year, uh, you will have, um, or, or every month in your pay packet, you, once you've paid some national insurance and some income tax, you, in your pay packet, you're getting £1,204. And so therefore, if, if that was my child, I'd be saying to my child, we'll just move the decimal point from the end, one place to the left, and you end up giving £120.40p. I don't know whether that comes as a surprise to you or not, but someone who's living on the minimum, I know that there's, I know one particular person in our church earns minimum wage doing a job that they love, and uh, uh, that is what they'll be giving. And, and so j- just to put the rest of the numbers up there, Audrey, thank you. Uh, so therefore, uh, you know, if you were earning £10,000 more than that in a year, then 10% would be £176 after tax. And so it goes on. Um, honestly, if you were to ask anyone in our church family do you, who gives in that kind of a way, do, do you ever regret that? Like, do you wish that you weren't giving that? Do you wish that you hadn't given that? then they would say, no, I'm so glad. I I love that I'm able to do that and God is still able to provide for my needs. And in fact, uh, just as a way of finding out, I'm just going to welcome Dave Stemp. Dave is like a spiritual father to me. He's going to come. Why don't we welcome Dave? Mind yourself, Dave, you've got to... (laughs) Honestly, if you could see this absolute car crash of like stuff on the floor down here. Dave, thank you for coming. Um, yeah. I was speaking to you, uh, when was it, Monday? And you were just saying that you're really enjoying this series. And, and obviously, like, you didn't become a Christian yesterday. No. You've been a Christian for a while. Um, uh, d- just tell me, ha- have you ever regretted any of the money? Do you want to hold that? Yeah, why? Yeah. Thank just you. Just t- tell me, have you yeah. ever regretted any of the money that you've ever given? No, I, I, I'll tell you why. 55 years ago, last month... I'll hold it. You hold that. (laughs) 55 years ago, last month, I was standing in a church, and there was a young girl beside me, beautiful young girl, dressed in white. She was in white, I was in blue. Don't get mixed. (laughs) And we made vows together, which you do. But we also made another promise to each other. We said that Jesus was always going to be the center of everything we did, we thought, whatever it was, Jesus was always going to be the center. And what he he said was good enough for us. And throughout our whole married life, 
we've found that Jesus has always, always been what he said he was. He's always met every every need we've had. We've had times when Paul speaks about in Timothy where he abounded. No, he says so much. It's all about me. He says, money, money. <laughs> and then there were times when he says, I was on the edge. I was on, I was, I was, I had nothing. And we found that as we've gone through our life, there's times when we've been abounding with, with stuff. God has been so good, he's put in. And in other times, there's been times when we thought, where's the, where's the next penny coming from? But in that all, we've kept Jesus as the center and we've looked to him and he's always met the need. So good. And just talk about that. So you had some amazing stories about how God's provided for your needs over the years. Just tell us a couple of those stories. The story of the cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about veggie towels. <laughs> Brenda and I was going through a, a phase where we knew God was moving us on. Because there's two types of Christians. There's a, there's a settler and there's a pioneer. You can either be a settler or you can be a pioneer. Brenda and I are pioneers. We like to see what's over the other side. God's got more. Let's get it. Uh, and we were going through this where God was, we felt God was moving us on. And so we prayed and wrote down things as God was telling us things and that. And then the heavens went like brass. Nothing. What's happened here, Lord? Is this all a... A mistake? Are you are you joking? And then we thought, what can we do? Let's let's shake God up. You know, the mere dust of the earth shaking up the the one who holds the cosmos in order. We're going to shake God up, you know. And so I packed my job up, and it was a good job, paid good money. I packed that up. Never told anybody, because people come up and say I'm living by faith but they're scranging everything they can of everybody you know that, that's now living by faith you live by you, you don't tell anybody and we never told them not even a part nobody nobody knew but every week God was able to meet because we still we still gave our, our you know I believe in giving that whatever God gives us we give God his part and then he says, you can have the rest. See, God only wants 10%. And the other man, he wants 100%. <laughs> so I know who I'm going to follow. And so we, we was able to give and, uh, and that back to the church. We never held back. Uh, and every day, Brenda would set the table up and the boys would sit down and there was always something there. And this day, Mr. Lloyd came around. He was a lovely guy and he... he he gave us a cabbage. And we lived on that cabbage for nearly a week. That was the best cabbage. I've never seen a cabbage like it in, in, in Athens or Te It was, oh man, it was beautiful. And, uh, and it was a, a, a cabbage. But it was. And it was God. We can never outgive God. Don't ever try to outgive God. He's a jealous God. It's a jealous God. You try to outgive him and, and he'll do things. And, 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 and what, you, you said as well, like there were moments where someone knocked on the door and gave you the key to their car. Oh, aye. 
Yeah, I, uh, when we first moved to the new town, we lived in South East London, and I was working in Basildon. You worked, uh, we tra I travelled up and down. You worked down there for so long and you got a corporation house, because we was living in a little up, couple of rooms up top yeah. of the house. And so I was do doing that up and down, and I had a scooter. It was a bit vexed, because I'm a rocker at heart. <laughs> and I had a scooter. Uh, 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 and you can't you can't take the family out on the scooter. It's not Vietnam. We just basled them. <laughs> and and, and uh, I thought, you know, one day Brendan, I was just praying. He thought, Lord, wouldn't it love to have a car? But at that time, it was when we were going through one of the living on the edge. Like we just moved this yeah. out, trying to furnish a house and look after kids and that. And we were sort of on the edge. And we thought, Lord, it'd be lovely to have a car. Just sort of not begging him. We don't beg God. You ask God. Say, Lord, it would be enough. And within a couple of weeks, I knocked on the door. And it was Charlie next door, my neighbour. And he says, Dave, do you want a car? And inside I thought, what a stupid question. <laughs> but I said, oh, yeah, yeah, it would be handy. <laughs> and he said, you can have mine. He said, I've just bought another car. He said, and he gives us this car. And it was a Ford. I'm a Ford man. Huh. And, 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 uh, and it was the best car in the road. So good, Dave. So good. And so, just, yeah. I could tell you a story. I know, you're so, I know you're so, and I love how passionate you are about this stuff. So what would you say to people in our church family who are just like, they're not there yet. They're just trying to figure this stuff out. Maybe just new in the faith or whatever. What would you say to them? Yeah. I say what Dan said there. Don't fear. Don't fear. Fear is not from God. It's from, it's from the enemy. Do not fear. Trust God. Believe in him. And I say this, Chuck, all through our life back there, you know, our pastor always used to say, God will never see his children begging bread. And we've kept that bread and I. Yeah. Never see his children begging bread. And the other thing is this. If you want... 17 pound to go as far as 20 pound tithe on the 17 pound because you see Christianity is is opposite to the world yeah. the world system is you do this, you do this, you do this but Christianity is opposite we're yeah. opposite so and so the world system is grab it, grab it, grab it. but the Christianity system is Give it away. So good. Give so it away. So good. Dave, thank you Go so much. So good. God bless you. So good. So good. So let me just come into land with uh, the situation that we're in right now as a church. So like I said, we were doing this anyway, uh, but somehow in the timescales of God, the, the schedule of God, uh, we faced it, we're facing a particular moment at the moment, and I just want to share that with our church. So if you're visiting today or whatever, hope you just bear with us for a moment while we just share some of this stuff. So just approaching two years ago, uh, I stood here and I said that uh, God's word to us uh, f from all kinds of prophetic voices and so on was strengthen the stakes, which, came, which comes from the prophet Isaiah. And there was, really there was a sense that as a church we've stretched and we've extended literally as far as we can go. Uh, and now God was saying to us, 
you need to bring strength and stability to what you have. Uh, and not just for our sake, but for the sake of our children and our grandchildren. That's the thing. It's like we, we really have to just make sure that our church is sustainable and stable and strong so that our children and our grandchildren get to be part of a great church and have the opportunities that we have. And actually, what we did at that time was we put a number on that. We said, if we could just see the income of the church increase, and the number was £25,500 a month plus gift day, which sounds like an unbelievable amount of money, and it is an unbelievable amount of money, um, uh, but we're a big church uh, with a big budget. And uh, if you were part of our church back then, you'll know that actually people gave so generously and so sacrificially. And also we had a whole bunch of one-off gifts that appeared as well. And so as a result of that, uh, it looked like we, we kind of, we knew we hadn't hit that target, but we knew that we got pretty far towards it. However, uh, actually, as we've started to look at it more closely, what actually happened was that there was a spike that then settled down. And, and more or less, for at least the last year, it's been pretty stable. And the number, actually, the increase turns out, it wasn't 25 and a half plus gift day, just like 30 something. Uh, actually, the number increase was 14. And I'll tell you, like, we have, we have, the amount of impact that we have got from that amount is incredible. Like, we have ridden that horse way further down the track than she wanted to go. Uh, but uh, there are loads of things. And, and to be honest, if you're in this site, you maybe don't see some of the impact of it because it's happening in some of those places, those sites where it's like set up and packed down every week and all of that. But the ramps, the cages, the projectors, the digital desks and all of these kind of things, a whole bunch of things that are under the bonnet that nobody sees, like being able to give our pastors sabbaticals and all of these kind of things. Actually, uh, we, we've used that money so carefully and as wisely as we possibly can. And uh, actually, we've reached even more people. We've seen a whole bunch of people come to faith as a result of what we're doing. And things do feel more stable. Um, we also employed Neil Simpson, who is our community hub development manager. And so we have this vision for a base for every place. So wherever we have an expression of our church, we know that we're going to need a physical building that, that we have absolute right to use. And that, that's for two reasons. Number one, because we, we want to make a difference. We want there to be a place where people in that community can know, I need love, I need community, I need hope, I need Jesus. They can make their way to that physical place. We know that. But also because we're aware that the wider culture is becoming increasingly hostile to the Christian faith. And we're, we're concerned now that within the next few years, it might be impossible for us to use the high schools and things that we use at the moment. And so we, need, we know that we must have these buildings. And Neil is a genius. And he's probably the best um, appointment we've ever made. And so within a short time, he's managed to find us already five buildings that are really genuine possible buildings for us. Like... Um, and we have seven sites that we're looking for buildings for, and we're confident that those other two sites, uh, something is going to come along really soon because of how brilliant he is. Now, obviously, it would be amazing if I could stand up on a, you know, like today and show you pictures and all of that stuff. But because of how public this is, and because we're in a kind of phase of negotiation, actually, that would be a, a really unwise thing to do. Because we, it, it, news can't get out about some of these buildings that we're looking at. But let me give you the kinds of buildings that they are. So, for example, we're looking at a former car showroom 
that would have been worth a few years ago perhaps a million pounds. And Neil has negotiated a lease for us of one pound per year. Uh, it needs about £5,000 spent on it, but this is an extraordinary opportunity. That's the first thing. Another building is a, a, a huge former shop, that, uh, and, and it's for sale. Uh, it's not on the open market, but we've discovered it's for sale. We've made an offer, and we've had an offer accepted of £215,000, which is nothing. And it needs some money spent on it, but actually we just heard on Friday, literally a couple of days ago, that... Uh, our, our bank is, um, has approved us for a mortgage on that building. And so we know that we will be able to buy that building. There's another building which is a warehouse, uh, which might be is available for lease or purchase. And we might do a lease first and then a purchase, or we might just buy it straight away, or neither of those two things. Um, but we uh, know that that's on the market. And then there are two community asset transfers. So, so the council, local authority, we can approach the, we have a legal right to approach the local authority and ask them to give us the building. And we might get it for a pound or we might get it for perhaps 150,000 pounds, but it certainly would be a lot less than the market value, whatever those things are. And so these buildings are unbelievable. And you just need to understand, like eight years ago, I walked around like, Tens and tens of buildings because we needed to resolve our space issue. I know that these buildings would have been worth millions and millions of pounds. And yet we're in this extraordinary situation where right now, right now in Aberdeen and the Shire, the property market uh, for commercial property is just in the moment to acquire property. So this is what I'm saying is this is the opportunity of a lifetime. The only problem is, as they say, the opportunity of a lifetime is only available for the lifetime of the opportunity. And uh, it's catchy that, isn't it? And so we're in this weird situation where we have this amazing opportunity to suddenly take a real step forward as a church. At the same time as that, we have none of the money that we need to do those things. And so I had a meeting, Taryn and I had a meeting this week with our finance team and with a couple of the trustees. And we were saying, not only, gosh, we're going to have to, if nothing changes in our income, we're going to have to say no to every single one of these buildings. But as well as that, there are some other things that we're currently doing that we will have to decide to stop doing. because the. Uh, so, so what I'm really saying is the vision is the same. Right? We, we haven't changed anything about our desperate sense of call to strengthen every single stake and every single site for the sake of what's to come. We just need, essentially, we got half of the money 18 months ago. We just need the other half. And so that's why I think it's just in the Lord's timing that suddenly we find ourselves doing this series on generosity. Um, and so what we're asking is, like, to be honest, if, if a handful of people, like I think there were maybe three or four people after last week who said, actually, I am going to increase my giving. And if that's you, we just want to celebrate you. We are so grateful. And actually, like a handful more people changing something, it's not going to make the difference that we need. What, what actually, and this is why we're kind of taking a, a bit of a moment to do this. We need every single person who's counted themselves in who's filling in the count me in card. I'm part of the family. I belong here. This is my tribe. I want to see my tribe succeed. We need every single person to, to take a step, which is why I've got my handy step ladder here, right? So what we're asking is, 
Like, if this is your church, please will you just take a step, like whatever that step looks like for you. So maybe you're not giving anything at all. That's in one of our sites or in this site at the moment. We're just saying, please would you take a step and start giving something. Like, give as much as you can afford. If you're already giving something, but you're not giving 10%, then why not just take that step and say, I'm going to give 10% now to the work of God in this place. And maybe if we all collaborate together, something amazing will happen. And if you're giving 10%, then why not think about, hey, I could maybe give more than 10%, and that could really start to get things moving along. And so, like, oh, so emotional. Uh, Listen, like, we all have to do this. We, this is as simple as that. We've got this incredible opportunity, but it's also a moment of crisis. And what we're asking is that our entire family rise towards the challenge. We're not asking you to promise something, to pledge something, to intend to do something. We're asking you to make a change, to take a step. That's what we're asking. And actually, uh, because of the situation we're in, you know, we need to prove to the bank, like, We've got, look, we've got all this money coming in so that the mortgage will all go through and all of that stuff. But also, often what happens is, for lots of people, they, uh, uh, you know, like, it might take them a month or two to get around to it. And so it might take three or four months to know actually what the change is. We just can't have that. And so what we're asking is, please, within the next seven days, before the big gathering next week, Please, if, like, if you're visiting, you're welcome. God bless you. If this is your family, please will you take a step and then will you let us know what you've done. And so the, the, if you could just put up the next slide. Thank you, Audrey. This is, this is what you need. Steps.catalyst.vin. There's no HTTP, www, none of that. Just, just that, uh, that web address, steps.catalyst.vin. Uh, has all the details there of how you would start a standing order or how you would amend a standing order. Um, uh, and there's also an email address there if you're not sure what it, you know, like. You can email the finance team that's on there. But as well as that, there's a little form to fill in to say this is what we were giving up until this Sunday. And then this is now what we've changed our giving to. Um, uh, p- please, would you do that? Like, there's, there's two ways, really. There's the best way and the easiest way. So the best way is you do everything through your online banking. So if you have an online banking app or... <laughs> if you have, you know, uh, you go on your computer to access... The, the best way, honestly, the best way is you do everything there. You can get the bank details of our church by going to the main website of our church, going all the way down to the bottom, click on giving, and then there are the bank details there. So you can amend a standing order or start a standing order like that. The easiest way is to use the way that we use every week, which is the give.catalyst.vin. You know, it's on the uh, serve now, give now cards and all that. But uh, like many people, especially if you're in one of our sites, you're already part of the story of the journey of generosity of our church. You know, like it's only been possible to do any of those new sites, all the ones that I listed earlier on, because it's only been possible because the church has already been on this amazing generosity journey. And now it's just our time. Everyone who's part of the church right now, it's our time. Why don't we stand?